Welcome to Locked On 49ers. The team continues to make minor adjustments to the roster leading up to the NFL draft. Makes me think maybe they're uh, tipping their hand on what positions they're looking for. Next week, we're a week away. The 49ers will, at this moment of me recording this podcast, will probably uh, have just made the selection in the first round and people will be going bonkers about who that player is. And there are major factions right now uh, on with 49ers fans who they like in the draft. And I think the biggest group belongs to Justin Fields. My apologies. I probably played a role in that. If you're going to be disappointed if the 49ers don't draft Justin Fields, uh, Trey Lance, I'm okay with Mac Jones. Don't see it, but apparently a lot of folks are still talking about that being the selection for the 49ers just a week away. And we'll finally have some answers and know who the 49ers traded up to get at number three. But today's podcast is not going to focus on who the next quarterback is for the 49ers. But uh, we do need to talk about the, the recent revelation that one of those players, Justin Fields, has been dealing with epilepsy and how that might affect his draft stock. 49ers adding two former Raiders defensive linemen. We will hear from Miami Dolphins GM Chris Greer about how that Niners-Dolphins trade came together. And of course, we'll finish up with your questions. At BD Peacock on Twitter is where you get those questions into me. You can also email the show LockedOn49ers at Gmail. Let's start with the new addition, a pair of Raiders defensive linemen, a pair of 2018 Draft picks. One of those shadow 49ers, by the way. Let's start with Arden Key, though, the edge player. 6'5", 240 pounds out of LSU. He was a player. Both actually Hurst and Arden Key were players that were, you know, talked about as potential first-round picks leading up to the 2018 NFL draft. Highly thought of players. Arden Key, though, had had a rough senior season. There's off-field stuff with Arden Key. He didn't really do much for the Raiders, so it's not surprising that they let him go this offseason. Still only 24 years old. He'll be turning 25, and actually, they both have a birthday within a week of each other. Arden Key's going to be turning 25 just after the draft, and Maurice Hurst can be turning 26 just after the draft. But, you know, an athletic edge player, Arden Key, it's worth a flyer. See what you have. See if Chris Kucerich can get anything from Key off of the edge, the 49ers, I think, had a draft need on the edge. I don't think necessarily that it means the 49ers won't draft a guy. I think it just means that they know they're not going to draft a guy early, so maybe they bring in a mid-round, late-round sort of a draft pick to compete. But I think the 49ers clearly are trying to get their ducks in a row with some of these free agent additions pre-draft because they know they're not going to be targeting those positions in the draft. And with the addition of Samson Abukam on top of Arden Key now, there's a pretty full room there at defensive end for the 49ers. Nick Bosa obviously coming back from his torn ACL. Eric Armstead will be a base defensive end at least, and maybe still a full-time defensive end, although I'd like to see him more inside. Abukam not holding my breath that D Ford ever plays a down for the 49ers again, but still on the roster. You got Ronald Blair coming back. Uh, Jordan Willis is coming back and now adding Arden Key to that mix, uh, among other players that could be, you know, camp fodder. And who knows, maybe Key is camp fodder. But the the player that I think has a chance to stick is Maurice Hurston. Undersized, 6'2", 290 pounds, 285 pound type of a player. So, you know, think, think Aaron Donald light, extremely light, basically is what Maurice... Hurst was, and he was really disruptive in Michigan, and I really liked him coming out, and he was a shadow 49ers draft pick for me in the fourth round of that 2018 draft. It was the pick that the 49ers used on Kentavious Street. 
had a big injury scare, which I think pushed him into day three or might have gone a lot higher than that even. Been a lot more productive than Contavious Street throughout his career. He has eight career sacks and, and really productive his first two years. Both Key and Hurst started 10 games as rookies in 2018, and their playing time fell off after that. And I think that's probably why they're both gone. And maybe not scheme fits for Gus Bradley in that defense there in Las Vegas. And by the way, the Raiders and the Cowboys both hiring Gus Bradley and Dan Quinn. Are they going to run that strict cover three? I mean, I think that defense is sort of beat now in the NFL. And we saw Robert Sala really start to move away from it more and more every year. And the more he moved away from it, the better it seemed like the defense played. You just can't play that one strict coverage unless you got a Hall of Fame safety and a Hall of Fame, another Hall of Fame safety practically, right? And a Hall of Fame corner and a monster pass rush, Hall of Fame linebacker. I do think that Gus Bradley wants bigger defensive tackles. And I think that's probably why, and, and probably be bigger defensive ends as well, and that's probably why both those players were let go. But Maurice Hurst is the interesting one that I really think has a chance to stick for the 49ers, and I don't think the interior defensive line is so stacked that he won't have an opportunity to stay. And he's really shaped in a way that uh, the 49ers don't have that penetrating, sort of smaller, undersized, three-technique type of player. So I'm interested in Maurice Hurst, and he's been a good player, PFF has graded him pretty well all three years of his career so far, even though he only had a a half a sack last year and only started three games, started 10 games as a rookie with four sacks. And it was like, okay, they, they just stole themselves a starter in the fifth round of the draft. And his, his playing time definitely fell off last year, only starting three games. But uh, I think Maurice Hurst is a pretty good player. And either one of those guys, if they're ready to work and come in and, and take to Chris Kosarek's coaching, I think they could be very good rotational players and potentially stick with the 49ers. So we'll see what happens with Arden Key and Maurice Hurst. I think those pickups, especially Hurst, I am all for. I like it. I like adding depth to the team, and, and especially in this draft class that's not very strong at defensive tackle in particular. Running back Wayne Gallman officially has signed. I think last time we checked in, they brought him in for a visit, but we weren't sure if he was going to sign, and he definitely has. So running back's getting pretty full as well for the 49ers on the depth chart. Obviously, Jeff Wilson Jr. and Raheem Mostert are the top two guys, and as long as Mostert, whatever Mostert can handle, you let Mostert play, I think. But Gallman is a tough runner, somewhat similar in a lot of ways to Wilson. He's a pretty good pass catcher as well and filled in well for Saquon Barkley last year in New York. I think that was a bargain for the 49ers to be able to add Gallman because he's definitely a guy that can come in and start for you if there are injuries in front of him on the depth chart, but he's not going to be forced into a ton of playing time, I don't think, if Mostert is healthy. Then you got Hasty, the undrafted free agent last year that I like quite a bit, and they'll probably add some more competition with either a late-round pick or an undrafted free agent this year. But I like that. Solidifying some spots on the roster. Not a lot of room left on the defensive line. Not a lot of room left at running back in the draft. I think it's pretty telling that they probably do, do not plan to be drafting players at those positions in at least the first four rounds and maybe even not with one of those three fifth-round picks that they have. Next segment, I want to jump into the Justin Fields epilepsy thing and talk a little bit about Chris Greer's comments about the 49ers trade with the Dolphins, moving up to pick three. A real quick question from Ollie, though, and a plug in here about Hurst. He says, Hurst is in the interior rotation with presumably Kinlaw, DJ, Kerr, and Givens. Forgot about the Kerr signing, too, as well. Some beef inside. So uh, definitely Hurst is, is shaped much differently than what the 49ers have currently with interior players. Does that put Armstead outside full-time where he's worse? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, I think 
the 49ers like Armstead more on the end than I do, and Ollie sounds like you do, but uh, I don't think these additions of these guys that they picked up off the street are going to be a huge impact or expected to be a huge impact. So I still think on third downs, they did bring in Abucom too. So if you ask me on third downs, it should probably be Eric Armstead on the inside with Javon Kinlaw and maybe rotate the other guys in with them. And then obviously Bosa on the outside with Abucom. I, I feel like that's your four rushing the quarterback, your main four speedy edge rushers on obvious passing downs, third and long situations. Now, the question is, uh, are they going to leave Armstead outside in those situations? I, I think it would be doubtful, but Armstead outside on running downs is fine. He's a really good base end. So, as long as he's inside half the time, I think I'm cool with it. But if he's outside all the time, I think that's just a waste of the money you're paying him, first of all, because I agree he's better inside. He's better interior player as far as pass rush goes. But we'll see how that rotation goes. I think they've got a, a fine complement right now of interior and exterior guys. I, I think Edge, they would still draft a guy. I just know they're not going to draft a guy early, so they probably just want to you know, play the numbers game and hopefully find a good group of players there. But defensive tackle at this point, I'd be very shocked if they draft anybody there, really at all, and, and maybe running back to you know, sixth or seventh round at most. But maybe an Edge guy still. Okay, next, let's talk Justin Fields' epilepsy, what that means. Uh, Got to be honest, spoiler, I don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, and uh, let's hear from Chris Greer. Get to some of your questions as well. This episode is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Rings sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring, ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece. They're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only on BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10. This collection features high quality, fine jewelry that will surprise and delight and fairly priced. So you can give her something special and truly meaningful this Mother's Day. They won't be around for long. So find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. However in-depth with repairs you can and would like to get at home with your vehicle, rockauto.com allows you to do so. Or just the staples, the things that everybody needs. Jumper cables. Do you not have jumper cables in your car? Go get some at rockauto.com. Engine parts, brake parts, oil, whatever you need, rockauto.com has it and they have reliably low prices. Such an amazing selection. Go to rockauto.com. You will be blown away by the selection they have on any vehicle you could imagine. I'm scrolling rockauto.com. It goes all the way down to 1909 Model Ts. Yes, they have parts for that. It's crazy. So fix up that old car. Keep your new car running smooth. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. So I really have no idea zero idea what this next story means for the 49ers for Justin Fields for his career for his life and longevity in the NFL uh, I don't I don't think it's nothing at this point it doesn't seem like a, a huge deal because it hasn't affected him yet and 
the report came from Ian Rappaport and Tom Pelissero that Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields has confirmed to NFL teams during the pre-draft process that he is managing epilepsy, a neurological disorder that can cause seizures. It has seizures. It has not affected football, and doctors believe he'll outgrow it, as many others in his family have. And I think the best person to go to for this and what that means for your NFL career is Hall of Fame offensive lineman from the Pittsburgh Steelers, Alan Fanica, who replied to that Ian Rappaport tweet and said, if I did it, so can Justin Fields and so can anyone else. It is part of us, but does not define us. Hashtag epilepsy. Hashtag never stop dreaming. So apparently Alan Fanica dealt with the same thing. And he had another tweet where he showed a picture of two pills that he takes Every day, and he's been managing epilepsy, and he had a Hall of Fame career for it. So um, I don't think that Justin Fields is going to be bumping heads more than Alan Fanica is because you worry about a neurological thing, if that's something that would be affected by getting hit on a football field. And it didn't affect Alan Fanica, and he had a Hall of Fame career. I don't know about any other players that may have had this, um, but his family members have outgrown it, and... That's what doctors think Justin Fields will do, and it hasn't affected him yet, so I don't know what to think. But the really the main thing I came away with with this story was sort of talked earlier when the 49ers made this trade, like the balls on these guys to make a trade like this so early. Dolphins GM Chris Greer talks about that, how aggressive the 49ers were. Were they too aggressive making that deal too soon? What if Justin Fields was the guy at number three all along, right? And... Their doctors say, oh, man, you can't, you, I don't know if you could draft this guy, right? And maybe they knew this already. Maybe they've known this for years about Justin Fields. You know, everybody in the scouting community might have already known this. But remember Laramie Tutsil a couple years ago? That's why you wait until the number three pick is on the clock. You call the prospect. You always see the, the teams on the phone with the prospect, right? Make sure they're still alive. Go through the entire evaluation. Call the guy. Make the trade. And be like, hey, we're going to draft you. You're not like... Somewhere weird, right? You're not in jail. Like, what's going, you know? Uh, and so that that's part of it. You never, like, one of these prospects could have broken their leg in these pro days or something. And it just screwed the whole thing up. So that's part of it. And the 49ers, really, it's just the gall they had to make this deal when they did it. And there's some things that could have definitely gone wrong. And things could have changed in the evaluations. And it was possible that maybe they, it turns out none of, none, none of these three quarterbacks would have been worth moving up to the number three pick. Four. And even healthy, maybe that's the case. And maybe it's the case that the Niners are better than most teams picking three, and all three of them are going to turn out just fine, and, and it's not going to be a problem either way, and none of them are going to be a bust. I, I think that's unlikely to be the case just because of the track record we've seen with quarterbacks drafted in the NFL. But my main takeaway was, man, the, the, so many things can happen when it comes to the NFL draft, and you never know. And that's one of the risks the 49ers ran doing this early. Now, I don't think this is going to be a huge deal, and it doesn't sound like it is so far. But again, I'm not a doctor, and I don't have all the information when it comes to Justin Fields and his epilepsy. And if it'll affect if the 49ers take him at three, or if it'll affect any other team taking him high in the draft. Or if it just means it's enough of a question for some teams to be a tiebreaker, and he starts to fall toward pick six, where the Niners could have traded up very easily that we know, and pick 12 where they already were, right? If Justin Fields is on the clock at pick 12, the 49ers really screwed this thing up. Or if Trey Lance and, and Justin Fields are both there at six, where we know the Philadelphia Eagles were willing to go from six to 12 for much less than the Niners gave to, to go up to number three. So those are sort of the thoughts that I came away with the, with the epilepsy report. I think teams probably already knew, so I don't think it is a factor. 
one of the other things when it comes to Justin Fields and, and Mac Jones and, and Trey Lance and all these guys, it's just so quiet. It is eerily quiet on the Justin Fields front. No, no teams are ever connected to him. The Niners are connected to the other two guys. There's so many teams it's like, oh, this team loves Trey Lance. This team loves Mac Jones. There's no teams that love, according to reporters, Justin Fields, which is very curious to me. And me believing in the lying season that is the NFL draft, I just think that that's because teams are throwing names of the the guys they don't like more so than the guys they like. That doesn't mean every team has to love Justin Fields. I'm just, it's just weird that nobody's talking about Justin Fields as a team's top choice in the draft. I find that extremely curious. One other quick one that I've seen a lot recently, and it's driving me crazy now that it's just, I said I wasn't going to talk a lot about this, the transferring thing. Uh, there's been a few reports of you know people, reporters doing great work and going and talking to coaches, college coaches and professional coaches and GMs and you know executive type people and scouts and the anonymous scouts quotes and you know getting info on on how teams feel about these prospects and there's a couple of them that have been like oh Justin Fields didn't compete with Fromm and, and transferred instead of competing and 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 doing the thing at Georgia and he ended up at Ohio State, and Mac Jones stayed at, at Alabama and, and backed up and waited for his turn. You think Ohio State was going to give Mac Jones a starting job? No, Mac Jones didn't have that opportunity. Right? Like, it's crazy. Mac Jones probably could have transferred somewhere and been the backup there as well, and maybe the team found out that, hey, Mac Jones, now he's a starter. But it's not like Mac Jones was going to walk into Ohio State and be given the job like Justin Fields was. So Mac Jones didn't have that opportunity to transfer like Justin Fields did. Mac Jones, when he was a freshman, was the third string, maybe the fourth string quarterback behind Hurts, behind Tua. He wasn't going to roll into Ohio State or any other Power 5 team that had national championship aspirations and earn a starting job as a freshman. So uh, that that whole storyline drives me crazy, and and it, the, the the transfer thing it's a very old school scout way to try to find something for a guy. I'd say he's a quitter or whatever, but uh, transferring is just not that way anymore. It's not looked upon like that, and it's not it's, people transfer way too often in college football. It is not the red flag that I think people once looked at it like. And it's not like he transferred to D2 so he could start. He went to Ohio State and, oh, yeah, was better than his old team at Georgia. Anyway, so enough about that stuff. I just I had to get that out because I've been seeing a lot of that stuff about the transfer. Where are we at here? Let's hear from Chris Greer really quick before I get to some of your questions. This is Chris Greer this week when he was asked about the trade with the 49ers and how that came together. We had had a number of teams call us. You know, all you know through there talking about uh, coming up to three, and you know um, we were you know comfortable being where we were, and and once we evaluated, and then you know obviously San Francisco um, was very aggressive. You know, um, John was was great dealing with. He was very open and honest, transparent, and as we worked through it, you know we thought that you know um, with the offers as we talked through it, and once they gave us the offer that you know we were comfortable with taking. You know, we decided it was, it was important for us also as well to get back, you know, into that top 10. And so, um, you know, once, you know, it looked like San Francisco could happen, we kind of, you know, reached out to a few teams just gauging, you know, whether they would uh, move or not. And, you know, in Philadelphia was, you know, um, a very good partner working with. Howie uh, did a good job with us um, 
in terms of what we were looking for and what we were looking to do. And, and I give them a lot of credit. There's a lot of teams that, you know, wanted to wait and wanted to wait and see. And, um, and it, you know, it takes guts to make a move like that. So I give San Francisco and Philadelphia both credit for doing it. That was Chris Greer. He is the GM of the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, it took guts. It took a lot of guts for the 49ers to do what they did. Obviously, the Dolphins had their eye on a certain prospect, I think, a certain group of prospects. I wonder if maybe they thought they could get Kyle Pitts at six. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to get him even at six now. I wonder if he was their guy or maybe he was one of the offensive linemen. We'll find out. But I thought pick 12 was kind of a nice place to be. I like, I loved the trade for Miami moving down to 12. But I think I like the Eagles move back to 12 better. Because I think 12, there's a pretty good player that's going to be there. You just don't get to choose. But I think there's 12 blue chippers in this class. I didn't really see the urgency of either trade-ups. And look, NFL history, the trade-downs turn out better than the trade-ups most of the time. So I guess it's not surprising that I feel that way about those trades. Definitely a trade-down guy more than a trade-up guy. And again, if Fields or Lance sitting there at pick six, the 49ers screwed the pooch, gave up way too much to go up to number three, in my opinion. All right, let's get to some mailback questions next. Haven't hit many of those this week. You know, when it comes to the subject of who the 49ers are going to take at number three overall and the the betting lines for those NFL draft props at betonline.ag, I got to admit, I already put a, a little bit of money. I hedged on both Justin Fields first when I had a really good number on him, and then also Trey Lance just in case, and it's really the not buying the Mac Jones stuff ticket, right? And that's where I'm at with that. That's where I've been with that, put even some money down on that. And it's funny because it was Mac Jones favored, then it became Justin Fields favored, and then Trey Lance started closing the gap, and then now it's back to Mac Jones being the favorite for the 49ers at number three. So the... I don't know, Mac Jones weathered the, the pro day storm, I guess, and is now still the favorite, and still a lot of plugged-in people think it could be Mac Jones, although it's fewer than maybe a few weeks ago. I have no idea what to think of what the actual 49ers are doing. i just pretty sure they're not telling people. But anyway, if you feel strong about one of those draft props, you know, over-unders on a ton of players, which players go first at what positions, go check those props out. They're super fun and make the, the NFL draft even a little bit more fun for those other picks when the 49ers aren't on the clock. Go to betonline.ag. You've also got uh, table games, poker, they, you can bet on reality TV, all kinds of crazy stuff. In addition to sports, NBA and NHL and Major League Baseball are obviously going on right now as well. You're covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Just go to the website, use promo code Locked On to sign up today, and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. The winner of Built Bar Madness, the best flavor as voted on by Built Bar Eaters, Coconut Brownie Chunk, is now back in stock at BuiltBar.com. Go pick yourself up a box. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off or build your own box of any flavors you want of Built Bars at BuiltBar.com. 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, only 4 grams of sugar. It is fantastic. Other new flavors like caramel brownie, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp to go with their 12 original flavors. My favorite is peanut butter that I always talk about. Bars are covered in, this is the best part, 100% chocolate. Get some yourself at 15% off with promo code LOCKED15. 
That's locked 15 for 15% off your next box of built bars at builtbar.com. By the way, did you see this report about Nick Sirianni, new head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, and how he played rock, paper, scissors with draft prospects on Zoom to measure their competitiveness and was not kidding when he said that? Oh my gosh, the NFL draft is so insane. And I think teams get so much information. There's got to be an over-analysis that goes on. I would love to see sort of a really minimal front office, a team. And I think I loved how there was the baseball, you know, the former baseball executives that took over the Browns for a while. They really set the Browns up for some success. They just didn't draft the best players. In in that similar vein, I would like to see an experiment where, first of all, put me in charge. I'll, I'll take full responsibility of this team, maybe a minimal approach just to see what it's like because they get so much information and it's so crazy. The prospect and the the process, I think it just has to scramble the brains sometimes of teams. And I think there's so like the GM and the coach and they have different ideas and there's a million scouts. And then it's just like, it gets so convoluted and crazy. And then you get this story of playing rock, paper, scissors to measure competitiveness How could you be competitive over rock, paper, scissors? There's not even any strategy involved, right? And you do see players on the field sometimes doing rock, paper, scissors. But inevitably, after the draft, I will like some picks. I will not like some picks. But if I heavily criticize a pick, there will be a fan that takes offense and they don't like me criticizing their team. And it happens with 49ers picks. I do the shadow drafts and, you know, I'll say, hey, don't like this trade up. Don't like this move. Don't like this. Maybe the Mac Jones, maybe they draft Mac Jones. I'll be like, yeah, you know what? I think it was the wrong choice. And inevitably there will be a group of fans that'll say something like, I think that team knows a little bit more about football than you do about me criticizing their picks. Right. And to that, I will say, first of all, go check the shadow drafts. Um, my track record's pretty good. I'll put it up against the real 49ers scouting department of one over here. But it's not even that. Like, teams screw it up all the time. But then this is a perfect thing. I'll point to be like, oh, yeah, you think that playing rock, paper, scissors is a better way to evaluate draft prospects? You think that's the way to go? And that's what a real team, a real head coach in the NFL is doing? It blows my mind sometimes. And I'm not surprised how bad of decisions are made sometimes because the process is are are just out there and maybe there's just too much time between the end of the season and the draft and too much information and you start paying attention to the wrong things i think that's got to be a a huge part of it the p on twitter says uh we we tried that with cj bethard already because he played in a pro style offense while passing on watson and mahomes and that was in reply of me talking about how trey lance might be a little bit overrated not as a prospect but just his quote-unquote pro style snaps under center the offense he ran right it was a run first offense it wasn't necessarily a pro offense right it was it was run first it was a slower paced offense but he was under center he was in the huddle a lot I'm sure that helped some development for Trey Lance but he only attempted 318 passes in his career in college he was under center about 30 percent of the time which is more than a lot of the other prospects as far as percentages go But if you look at that, so maybe 100 of his pass attempts were under center. You're going to take 100 1AA snaps that happened, most of them two years ago. How much weight can you put on that? How, How can you say that that player is more developed and ready to go in the NFL based on 100 snaps, right? 
anybody the Niners draft are going to get 100 snaps under center in the first preseason. So I, I just think that's the wrong way to look at it for a prospect. And it could have helped him, but like coach the guy, draft a guy and coach him. And I'll say it about Trey Lance too. I, I, he's a good prospect. Coach him, draft him and coach him, right? But if you're just drafting a guy based on what you see and he has to look close to what like what you did, that's how you end up with C.J. Beathard. So I totally agree with the P on that one. And yeah, that's right. You're supposed to, you're, the 49ers making this trade up to me signifies they're trying to make up for the mistake they made in 27 by drafting C.J. Beathard. And it wasn't so much that they drafted Beathard necessarily, but they passed and just didn't even look at the 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 first round quarterbacks in Watson and Mahomes, right? And this is kind of setting up in a very similar, eerie, similar way. And if you pass up on Justin Fields because he didn't run your offense in college, it's asinine, right? That can't be the reason you pass on a guy. That doesn't make any sense. You're going to coach him in your offense. That's why you're called a coach. That's why that's in your job description. Let's see here. How about Monster Man? He said, how mad are 49ers fans going to be when the Jets pick Fields at two? <laughs> That's another situation we haven't talked about. I don't think it's going to happen, but so many 49ers fans have talked themselves into Fields now that they might like him more than anybody else. And even if Zach Wilson or, shoot, even Trevor Lawrence falls, they'll be disappointed because they got their hearts set on Fields now. So I would caution 49ers fans, the draft's insane. Don't get your heart set on anything because you'll probably be disappointed, even with the third pick. And this seems like the most bananas third pick I can ever remember. Lord of Dankness says, didn't you say you had a really sick photo of Patrick Willis with Mike Singletary at the Senior Bowl, or am I mistaken? No, I didn't have a photo. But I do remember the moment I realized the Niners were going to draft Patrick Willis. This was, what, 2007, right? 2007 Senior Bowl. The Niners were coaching it. Mike Singletary's working with the linebackers in a drill in the end zone. And it was the light him up drill. Mike Singletary says, light him up. And all of the linebackers are all scattered around and they all start pumping their feet, right? Running, pumping your feet really fast. Pump, 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 pump. Just go, 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 go. And until he tells you to stop or until he tells you to do something else in the drill, like go down to a push up and jump back up or whatever it is. I can't remember what the entire drill was. But he says, light him up. You got to go. And it's, and it's, uh, it's more. It's it's partly about technique because he keeps he keeps reminding everybody because you start to get tired and then you lose technique. It's like head up, butt down, and he keeps telling him butt down, head up, right, and light him up, run your feet. So all these prospects are doing it. Some of them are getting tired, and he keeps reminding them. And then some guys are like falling over, aghast. And then by the end of it, it's pretty much just Patrick Willis by himself, cranking his feet nonstop. Perfect form, butt down, head up. And Mike Singletary's like, this is my dude, right? And Patrick Willis dominated the Senior Bowl that year, had crazy workouts. And that was kind of when I was like, ah, oh, yeah, you know what? I bet Patrick Willis is going to be a 49er because uh, th- it, that's just an image that stuck out so much in my mind. And it turned out pretty well for the 49ers. So sometimes it's it's nice to have that extra little bit of uh, look at a prospect and coach him in the senior bowl. So anytime you get a chance to coach the senior bowl, I think it definitely helps out your franchise. By the way, that's the other weird Mac Jones thing is when he was at the senior bowl, most reports I saw said maybe he was good. And some of them said, I was pretty pedestrian, just kind of regular dude. That's usually where someone would stand out. And I even like Philip rivers was like awesome at the senior bowl. Right. And ended up going really high in the draft. Mac Jones didn't do that. And John Lynch was there and saw Mac Jones at the senior bowl. And there was a report this week 
former scout. Who was it? I've, I've listened to too many podcasts, read too many interviews. Former scouts, people plugged in here, there. John Beck and Sage Rosenfels. I can't remember it was that someone was adamant. They said that a source told him John Lynch told them that he likes Trey Lance. So maybe Trey Lance is John Lynch's guy. I have no idea to believe that. I probably just would say, just like everything else, it's lying season. Don't believe it. It's a big, stupid game of telephone, right? How could you possibly believe that? I mean, one of the things is true. I don't think the 49ers are telling anybody which one it is, but you shouldn't be shocked if it's either Fields, Lance, or Jones. You shouldn't. I've, I think I know. I think it's, I mean, it feels like it makes sense to me. 55% Fields, 40% Lance, and. Jones. Maybe with recent stuff in the epilepsy thing, maybe it's more like just barely fields, 50-45 fields lands, and then still 5% Jones. But uh, I just just can't buy Jones, and I won't believe it until I see it happen. But there's too much smoke not to think it's at least a possibility. Last one from Mio says, I had this crazy dream that the 49ers traded Jimmy and a third to the Pats for pick 15. Then drafted Kyle Pitts at three and Mac Jones at 15. I was also running off four hours of sleep. I feel you, man. I've been uh, lack of sleep. I don't know if it comes through this podcast. Hopefully it doesn't, but uh, I got to go catch some Z's maybe this weekend. But to be honest with you, that would be better than taking Mac Jones at three. Absolutely. Mac Jones at 15. That's much more like it. So uh, if your dream came through, and the Niners could turn Jimmy in a third into pick 15, ended up with Pitts and Mac Jones. Oh, that's infinitely better than drafting Mac Jones at three. So we'll see if your dream comes through. I have my doubts. But a lot of people are trying to talk about Pitts at three. Pitts is a great prospect, but the Niners traded up for a quarterback. We'll find out one week away who that quarterback will be. And, of course, have it covered for you right here. Locked on 49ers.